You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, your home for news, views, security stories, technology, and all sorts of other related chit-chat that catches our attention. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of The Essential Apple. And uh, this week we have Steve. Hello Steve. Hi Simon, how are you going? I'm alright, thank you. I'm alright. And uh, we have Nick again. Hello Nick. Hello Simon. Yeah, I've just been busy setting up the, an iPad for somebody else and realised just how complicated it is when you try and keep things simple. Because Apple <laughs> don't want you to do things the simple way, they want you to do things the secure way. And yeah. the person I'm setting it for is completely non-techy and uh, it's really hard to keep it simple for them, I must admit. Right, but well, that, we'll you know, talk... that, that's, the, that's the trade-off you get, isn't it, between... It is indeed, um, between being safe Security and, and simplicity. Convenience, yeah. yep. Right, well, we'll talk about that in a bit and uh, somewhere building a shed in his living room we have Jim (laughs) (laughs) sorry I'm busy (laughs) well we've got sound effects as well yeah we have (laughs) what we we should really have is um, you know one of these which is like uh... (laughs) although in this case it's probably not like this Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Jim. I don't get to play with my with my you know sound box very often, do I? Yeah, um, you've been listening listening to. Uh... Mate, you don't want my sound box at the moment. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. So you've yeah, been uh, listening far too far too much to go in. Too much yeah. go in jazz. Go in jazz. Far too much to go in jazz there. So anyway, yeah, I think Jim Jim has uh, you know lost patience with his uh, extender hub for his M1 Mac and um, is literally unplugging it, boxing it, and sellotaping it up to send back as we speak. There we are. <clears throat> So, there there we go, that's this week. Uh, This week is very thin on news, I'll be honest. After, you know, um, after the last couple where we had a bit more than we expected, um, not a huge amount going on. Well, no, I've only got one Microsoft story because we've covered most of them. Um, falling apart in Microsoft. Is it? Oh dear! All right, <laughs> I've not been. I've not been following it. I've only got one well, story. There was the, the major, I... the major update they had to put the. Oh well, yes, obviously, uh, um, yeah, they did. Um, Microsoft, <clears throat> sorry, uh, Microsoft has issued an emergency Windows patch to fix the critical print nightmare on all versions of Windows, which is the um, the bug we mentioned uh, last week or the week before. Can't remember. Yeah, I think it was last week. So what you want is the Captain Manning um, Corporal Wills. Uh, Corporal, what's your name again? Yeah, Jones. Don't panic! Don't panic! Don't tell him your name, Pike. That's the one. Anyway, <laughs> that's the fa- most famous line of all time, I think. Don't give him your name, Pike. <sighs> anyway, um, yes, they have. I have got that. Microsoft has issued an emergency Windows patch for critical nightmare, uh, print nightmare. 
and I've I've got Link to the Verge for that. It's down in the uh, security stories. Um, uh, what's it say here? The uh, vulnerability called Print Nightmare was revealed last week um, after security researchers accidentally published their proof of concept exploit code. Uh, Microsoft issued out of band security updates to address the flaw um, because it's critical and attackers can remotely execute code. Um, how do you how do you accidentally publish code? <laughs> Um, I, I think they published you it. Pressed the send button by accident. Um, pressed the red button. Well, I think actually. <laughs> oh no, not the red one. As yeah, as as I understood it from the story was that they they found the uh, flaw and uh, published it, and then some you know realised that actually it was worse than it initially thought, and oh, therefore right. that they um, they realised that you could do things with it. Initially, it was like yeah, look, there's this flaw in um, in the print spooler that allows um, elevation of privileges or something, and then somebody pointed out that if you used it correctly, you could use it to um, run um, code. Um, oh, that's not as, it, as if you were a system, you know, system-level admin, and uh, therefore that, that was elevated to critical. So, yeah, that's sort of how it was accidental. I don't think they realised oh, quite how, how serious it was until they'd published it, and then went, oh, oops. Whoop. And then they'd, they'd let <laughs> it out, and then it became, you know, people were trying to exploit it. So, um, anyway, there you go. Uh, they were, uh, you know, ethical. They weren't. Do, they didn't do it on purpose. No. Um, red faces all round on that one, I think. Um, um, but to be fair, Microsoft did get on the uh, ball pretty quick and uh, have issued emergency patches to fix the problem. There we are. Um, and while we're on Microsoft, we might as well do the other story I've got. Um, Microsoft Surface Neo has taken so long to come out that its processor has been deprecated. <laughs> <laughs> According here to uh, who's this by? This is by Review Geek, apparently. Um, oh right, so the Neo was this foldable. Um, yeah, well, the sort of two screen thing, wasn't it? There was a Neo iPad type thing. Yeah. Uh, there was a Neo and there was a Duo. Um, yeah, the Duos are when it came out. The Neo was supposed to come out, it didn't? It was supposed to be the bigger version, I think. Yeah, the the Duo is the sort of phone, isn't it? Two screen phone, and the um, the Neo was a kind of yeah, like a hinge two screen tablet. I think the idea is good. They've just messed up the whole release with it, haven't they? Really? Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, that seems to be the thing with Microsoft. I mean, I really like the Surface Hub, the the, the big screen thing that you could draw on. And, oh, the um, um. But they but the the first version of it was just so underpowered. The studio. Um, they, they, the studio. Surface yeah. Studio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a really nice looking. I mean, I was quite excited about that when I saw that. I mean, I wasn't excited about the price. No. It's expensive, <laughs> but I was excited. Excited about you know that that the way it behaved and the and the and the engineering behind it, I thought wow. But then they then they just sort of mucked it up, <laughs> and there's they seem to be quite good at doing that. Sadly, well apparently according because, because it to... would be good it would be good to have you know a competitor that really sort of competed on a level yes, playing field. I do agree. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of people were really really um, taken with the idea of the of the Surface Studio. Um, you know, and it folded, you could use it upright as an all-in-one. You could put it down like a drawing board. It had that kind of wheel thing that you could use. But then, you know, when they actually started, people got their hands on them. They said it was gutless and underpowered. And, um, yeah. you know, you've never heard of it since, really. Although, if you look at a, a Microsoft page about the Surface range, it's still in the background there. They show it. It's as it says here. A, a second generation, when I know that long ago. 
Yes, I think there was a second generation. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, there probably just... was, but the trouble is, if you make a poor impression to start with, you're mm. shot down. People, it will be forever be the brilliant idea that was underpowered, and that's the end of that. You know, people endlessly mm. rag on the, um, on you know, so on the new I, message I don't, pad, don't they? You know, I don't, actually... I, don't dis- I don't dislike Pete. Um... Microsoft um, software on PC, um, but I must admit that, that I mean the, that nice studio was wonderful, but the thought of having to run Windows on it just sort of it makes me shake. <laughs> I don't like it. I think the the point with something like that, though, of course, is that's one of those things where you're going to be the sort of people who would actually buy something like that. Wind, Windows is hardly the point. It's like, right, well, I launch the computer, I open, I don't know, Art Rage or... Yes, I suppose so. Yeah, once Zara, you're actually in the programs, you're, or, you're inside the or your CAD app, and then you spend, you know, however long it is in there, and then you shut the computer down. It's not something that you'd be using, I don't think, as a general purpose computer. So... It matters a lot less because what people I suppose are after so. is the, you know, the drawing yeah. tools and the pressure sensitivity and the size. And it, it's like people who buy, you know, would buy things like the, um, oh, what well, there used to be a, well, there probably still is. There was like a, a, a drawing, a clear drawing pad that you could put over the surface of your iMac, turn the whole thing into a drawable surface. Um, oh, I remember. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in Tuos, but they had a, um, we had a demo of it at the, at the, of the Mac user group many years ago. Folk came and demoed it. It was amazing, you know, but it's like this pressure-sensitive glass piece that goes over the whole front computer, which effectively does what what the studio does. But, I mean, yeah. it was a sh- yeah. shocking amount of money. It was like, <laughs> for a lot, unless you had a real top-end iMac, it was more money than the bloody computer. Um, there you go. See, I, I, I still think there is a place for... Uh... For a touchscreen device, uh, and uh, you know, in some ways, I wish Apple would bite the bullet and do something. Yeah. Um, as I say, maybe not macOS, but maybe something in between at iOS and macOS. Well, um, but the idea of being able to get work done and and drag things around as if they're on your desktop, it, it, mm. it, it's very appealing. Mm. Whether it would you know really pan out or not, I don't know. Apps seem to think not, but um... no, no, maybe not, maybe not. Anyway, but I, do, I, mean, I, I have got a touchscreen. I have got a touchscreen PC, um, and there are some things that it's actually quite nice to be able to touch the screen to do. Yeah, not I'm everything. Sure there are. Not yeah. everything. So, and that's part of the problem is it, it's the disconnect between using a mouse and a, a, a keyboard and, uh, and and touching the screen is the is the problem. Is that that sort of um, making that seamless is actually quite hard. Yes, it is. I mean. Oh, I'll be honest. Um, I probably, much, to some extent, prefer to have a touchscreen PC because I find that you know the Windows mouse driver is so jittery and cramped. But that maybe that's just because it's millions of years working on the Mac, where you know PC users are going, "Oh, what's wrong with this mouse? It you know takes me a million swipes <laughs> to get across the screen." Yes, that's for control. And, and I guess for a lot of things, maybe it doesn't matter. But if you do jobs like I do, you know, graphic design, like you need to, you want, you don't want the mouse jitter around. You want it to be precise. But yeah, yeah, that's right. It's courses for courses, I guess. And um, anyway, the poor old Neo. Going back to what we started talking about. Yes, the poor old Neo. <laughs> um, 
Apparently, the Surface Neo was delayed until 2022 and now may never come out due to the Surface Duo's poor sales. Uh, also, Microsoft's growing confidence in ARM could influence its direction with the Surface Neo. Uh, Windows 10 on ARM totally sucks, but Microsoft has committed to ARM support for Windows 11 and things are looking a bit brighter. Um, yeah, okay, interesting since, to see what yeah. they do. Also, we need to bring Apple into this. Since the Surface Neo was announced in 2019, Apple's transitioned from Mac OS to ARM, reaping thermal and power benefits without sacrificing performance. Um, yeah, my QG, I, 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 I felt it again this morning, and my QG um, uh, plug, you know, my uh, extender, hmm. still gets hotter than the, than, than the Mac Mini does. <laughs> That money just doesn't get hot. Quite incredible. It, it will do. Your, your, your hub will get a lot hotter. So there you go. Apparently, um, the, the processor has been discontinued. The, the late field. It'll take two years to do it. And, um, the, the oh, maybe it'll come out as an ARM device then. Maybe yes. you know, later on. Maybe it will. Maybe. That's what they're kind of hinting at there, possibly. Um, I quite like I quite like the look of the picture that they've got on this website. Uh, if you want to follow it, have a look in the show notes because it's uh, it's actually yeah. you know the, the concept is quite attractive. Yeah, I mean you know don't I, I think. <sighs> Often, unfortunately, Microsoft produce a nice concept and then fail to execute nicely. Yeah, if you want. yeah that's you know, true. A lot of their things, it's, it's almost like we've got some great people in the concept and design thing, but then we pass it off to engineers who are like, yeah, but we're too busy doing something else, so we're not really bothered about that. I don't, I'm sure that's not really how it is, but uh, um, Alistair in the Slack room constantly says, you know, Microsoft have great ideas and then execute them poorly and sloppily, and then the whole house of cards falls down. Yeah. Um, moving on to something else, which is not in the show notes, and I completely forgot about because the whole furore has been and gone, as far as I'm concerned, which is, of course, the um, audacity um, storm in a teacup, really. Um, last week, I believe, or a little while ago, anyway, uh, last week the story blew up, but, um, Audacity, which is, um, free open source audio editing digital audio workstation, which I, in fact, am a keen user of, I use it to edit the show, um, there, a pr- privacy controversy blew up last week after somebody, uh, published a piece saying that, um, Audacity has been, um, acquired by a company called Muse, um, who apparently were only formed about a week before they took over the Audacity project. And then there was a big thing saying that they were going to put telemetry into Audacity, which was going to collect all sorts of um, information and all the rest. And uh, what I'll do is I will find the links because they're in the Slack. Uh, There was a lot of chat about it in the Slack. Um, And then I... A particular person wrote this huge um, story saying Audacity is now spyware and you should delete it immediately. And uh, so I went away and dug into the background of the story and I found a rather less impassioned piece, which kind of pointed out that um, all this stuff, you know, should be opt-in and uh, doesn't. they're saying that they're not going to collect as much info as originally was uh, put forward and a whole load of other things. And apparently... It was just a horribly, horribly, you know, mishandled uh, communication about what they wanted to do. And that the new owners actually want to understand how many users are actually using Audacity, what platforms they're on, what they do with it, what they like, what they don't like. 
um, and so on. Which any, which um, any company who is actually designing anything would want to know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it basically, I mean, the problem is it, it, it went from a sort of freeware thing, didn't it, um, to something that's now owned. And but it's still free. Going to be a, well, it's, it's still, still free. But that, yes, yeah. But it is now owned by a company, and therefore they're going to want to... They're going to want to know how it's being used. Yes, uh, and I understand that that the the the, um, the uh, I don't mean freeware. What do I mean? The, the open source open source community are going are not going to like it because they want things to stay exactly as they were. But the fact is, it's not going to stay that way because it's a company. It has to make money from something. Um, yes, uh, and I'm you know, but there's a, there's a whole thing. I mean, for the for the moment, it's all kind of damped down a bit. Um, obviously, yeah. there are hardcore boss people in the um, you know, in the uh, in the forums and whatnot saying they're going to create a fork and you know maintain the original audacity and blah blah blah. And we we will see how this um, we will see how that pans out in the long term. I've never I've never quite understood with all this with all this um, open source stuff why everyone's so obsessed by forks. I mean, have they got shares in 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 uh, British Steel or something? Or yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> or as um, you know, as uh, as Alan said on the uh, on the Mac and Forth show, which I was listening to this morning. Um, you know, if you take over a project, an open source project, you do not really want to upset, uh, you know, the core people behind that because they will, yeah, I suppose uh, so, yeah. fork off and do their own thing. As, uh, <laughs> as he was, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, the, but I mean, you can see, you can see where it probably will end up going. They'll probably end up being a freeware version of it, and then there'll be features that people would really like, and that you have to pay for those. Um, well, right at the moment, the whole point is they're saying it will always be free. What they want to do is they uh, say, they, yeah, well, there's a different, there's a difference yeah, yes, there between always be free and always be free, but not, not the new bits that we've built. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. That's perfectly true. But, yeah. but um, the, the company that have taken it over are saying they want to, you know, understand because great as Audacity is, it's development pace being, you know, and a truly open source project for the last 20 years can be glacial. Um, you know, often there aren't any updates to it for years um, at a time or only, you know, bug fixes come out and whatnot, but there's no major overhaul. Um, at the minute, I think it's a storm in a teacup. If you're interested in that sort of thing and you're an Audacity user, um, keep your eye out. Uh, Muse yeah. say any telemetry when it's introduced in the future will be opt-in. Um, and it, you know, it's not as half as intrusive or um, you know, personal as some of the scare stories, or as they put it, scare stories, um, are claiming. So for now, for what it's worth, I'm still using Audacity. I've simply set Lulu to block outgoing connections from Audacity. Oh, clever stuff. Um, Good idea. Not that I believe there's anything in the version I have at the moment. Um, no. But um, I'm going to keep an eye on it. Um, I've got a link. I've just come across a link here, actually, also on Review Geek because it was on in the side pan. So I shall put that. And it says the seven best Audacity alternatives. Um, I have to say, if you use Audacity, you will probably find most of these are way overpowered for what you want. Um, I mean, they've got one here: Ardor, Windows, Mac, OS, Linux. Uh, but there doesn't there doesn't seem to be a I mean, I've, I've looked around a little, and there doesn't seem to be any no such thing as a simple door. 
I mean, doors are complex by their very nature. By their very me. nature, they are fairly yeah, complicated. Audacity is audacity is not bad, but it's still there's an awful, there's still a bit of a learning curve to even there is. But you know, get if anywhere you compare it. it, if you compare it to something like uh, Reaper or Hindenburg or yeah, which are Lord forbid, still. Um, yeah. you know, Avid's Pro Tools, which you can have for free, by the way. You know, if you if you know what you're doing, you can download Avid's Pro Tools. There's an Avid Pro Tools first. I think I've got some pro. I think I've got the Pro Tools with my um, audio interface. It's incredibly powerful, and it's also incredibly Incredibly baffling. Uh, You know, if you if you're not a professional sound engineer, you might as well just go. I give up. because it's got everything, and it will do video and crossfades and multi-tracking, and yeah, it'd be know. really nice to have. It'd be really nice to have a, a door that is that just does, you know, a handful of basic things really well uh, in a simple way. I mean, uh, because. But, but as I say, there isn't anything that actually does it in a very simple way. Um, the cl- the closest to that, to be honest, you've got um. I've never there's... really got into Garage Band, in all honesty. No, uh, I mean I there's Fission. Rogue Amoeba's Fission is a very simple in in the way of a lot of um you know Rogue Amoeba's stuff. It's it's complicated things made as simple as possible. Um, for my mind, um, Fission is a little bit. Too simplistic, but it's a very good starting place. Um, I I like Audacity. I found it to be the perfect level for me of understandability and power. Um, there's another one here which is recommended, which is called Osen Audio, um, which looks, you know, looks uh, like a simpler version. It probably looks like uh, looks similar to something like Fission. I mean, they're out there, but most of them are incredibly powerful and therefore incredibly complicated. Um, but when I started taking a look around for Audacity Alternative, there are hundreds. Yes. There are hundreds. Yeah, that's, that's part yeah. of the problem, isn't it? There are lists and lists, and, you know, for all different reasons. Some are best for music, some are designed for, you know, composing electronic music. There are all sorts. I had to like Audacity. That doesn't make it the best choice for everybody by a long way. Um, so there you go. I will dig out some of the links and put those in the show notes for later. Um, Dave, have you ever used Audacity? Uh, yeah, I actually use Audacity to record my podcast. Um, it's really easy to use. I used to use it for our church software for recording meetings as well. Um, and I just, I do really like it. And I think a lot of the people were kicking up as well. So the terms and conditions have changed to say that they'd hand over information to law enforcement. But that's pretty standard if they've got a cloud backup service. So it doesn't mean that they spy on you. I think it just... No, I think... future cloud storage options they may offer. I think the other thing is, you know, if you're a company and you take on a project like that, you know, there's a lot of this stuff that you just have to put in, you know, almost by default, whether it, whether you're doing it or not, you have to write a terms of service that say we may do this and we may do that and you have to agree to it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of field they wouldn't mean, let's be fair. Yeah, you know, you get ripped to shreds. Um, so I, I think a lot of it's a bit of a storm in a teacup. I'd probably keep, you know, it's worth keeping an eye on. And, uh, you know, should, should this company Muse start to go down the kind of data mining or whatever, no doubt keep your eye out for something. Because somebody from the original Audacity team will, will fork it off and give it a new name and carry on as they were before. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah, I'd almost completely forgotten about that because it's kind of blown over. <laughs> during the yeah. week um yeah. interesting though yeah interesting um and i will yes i'll dig out the links for a whole load of stories and the stuff about alternative doors and 
all sorts of things like that. Um, what else? Um, right, M1 MacBook battery life was so good that Apple thought it was a bug in <laughs> in the reporting software, apparently, according to 9to5Mac. Um, yeah, the full title, M1 MacBook battery life was so good, Apple thought the indicator was broken. Um, <laughs> it's a little, it reminds me a little bit of the first time I saved to a floppy drive. Mm. There we go. All those years ago, uh, having you know, saved programs and data onto tape up to that point. And the first time you use a floppy and it goes, and you think, oh, oh no, I've got a broken one. <laughs> <laughs> or or the first time you write to a hard drive, you know, it's the same oh, sort yeah. of thing, really. Yeah. Uh, um, talk, talking about floppies, and I don't have the link to this because it's something that um, came up, uh, I think it might have been something my boy uh, had spotted and brought to my attention. Uh, those of who are, those of us who are very, very long-term Mac users will remember a software company called Brodabun. Oh, yes, I remember yes, the name. Who, who made a lot of these. Um, they were very successful software companies. And um, somebody... Uh, found out that um I, I believe it was on the apple II. there was a game called karatika i believe which was a side-scrolling you know fighting game similar to later games like uh, street fighter and that sort of thing but you uh, were a karate fighting guy and you moved across the screen you know fighting various opponents and um I believe the guy was searching for uh the original five and a uh, five and a quarter inch disc and somebody said they'd got one and uh, would send it to him or sell it to him or whatever. And uh, he said, um, and then when it arrived, the, the, the guy who sent it to him said, uh, you are aware if you put the disc in upside down, the game plays upside down. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, for those who remember five and a, a quarter floppies, the, you know, the data um, port is in the centre and some of them could be flipped That's over. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, in those days, they said, you know, uh, if you bought a game on five and a quarter uh, floppy, the game would be on one side and then the other side would either have nothing or it would have a few little demos or whatever of other games. But Brodabund apparently went to the whole um, effort of recoding the game and putting it on the <laughs> flip side of the disc so that if you played it, it played upside down. Oh, I like that. That's, uh, that's cool. So if you want to search, if you want to search for that, maybe I'll see. It was a, it, uh, probably on YouTube. That's the sort of thing my boy would have found. Um, and it's called Karatika, I believe. Uh, let me have a quick look. So yeah, you can you can you can imagine, can't you? This um, the first time they tested it, and someone saying, "Yeah, something's wrong here. Can't be that fast." <laughs> yeah, cool. Here we go. Um, there's, there's no, not that one. I think it might be this one. Um, well, here's a. I've got a link here to a YouTube of it for that. Um, maybe yeah. not the one my boy showed me, but um, yeah. And and actually to do that was you know a not a trivial thing to do, and B meant that they actually had to image data on both sides of the disc, and yeah. it was done as a joke. Um, and uh, according to uh, you know, yeah, the it law, was a little bit like a little bit like some of those. Um, some LPs that used to have double tracks on. Yeah. Do you remember those where you could, depending on where you placed the the, the playback head, um, you'd get a different track, a different track on that side. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, that's quite clever. Apparently, the whole thing was done as a sort of a joke uh, with the idea that um, people would phone tech support and say, "I've put the 
your game has come up. Down. It's upside down. And they would say, you've put the disc in upside down, sir. <laughs> I like and it. they said, you know, and in, in, you know, in the early days, as it was then, you know, there would be people who thought forever that if you put it in upside down, your, your software would come out upside down. Upside down. That's really <laughs> clever. Oh, dear. And apparently that's like... Um, some ludicrously, um, I don't know, aperture is 30 years old or something. Easter yeah. egg. Uh, yeah. um, I mean, the, th- the the amazing thing, I mean, I think about the, um, the M1, and it was right at the beginning, was the fact that even under emulation, I know, I know it's not proper emulation, but even under emula- the, the sort of emulation the M1 did for Intel, the Intel programs were faster. Yeah. Uh, uh, under, uh, under emulation on the M1, and you think, what? Uh, what? What? <laughs> you just don't expect that, do you? So that's cool. That's cool. I'm glad. And, and I'm, I mean, there's no doubt for me that the M1 is just that little bit snappier at everything. I mean, I never... I rarely do anything that puts my M1 under any kind of pressure whatsoever. I'm not one of these people who says, oh, I've saved five seconds off encoding this video, because uh, I do so little video encoding, it, it really doesn't matter to me. But it's Here definitely snappier. Here we go. Broderbund, um, American maker of video games and educational software, uh, best known for 8-bit video games such as Load Runner, Erratica, and Prince of Persia one. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, print shop for printing signs and banners on dot matrix printers, and then later Mist and Carmen San Diego. Oh, I remember Mist as well. Yeah. Oh, and Mavis Beacon. Mavis Beacon. Oh, right. Yes. Mavis Beacon beats you while you type, as my brother um, used to <laughs> nickname it. Um, Mavis Beacon, for those who don't know, is a uh, was a teach yourself to touch type program, and uh, actually I used that to learn to touch type in about a week and a half when I first started using that, um, computers. You know. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How, <laughs> how that was such a useful thing to learn how to do. I mean, I I did something similar. I don't think it was Mavis Beacon. It was something that was pre-installed on. Um, a laptop that my boss got and my boss had got no clue what to do with this laptop I mean just literally no clue so I said is it okay if I take it home for a week or two and she said yeah sure and I just sort of practiced and practiced and practiced and um, became reasonably proficient at typing yeah, yeah um, it was a useful th- a useful skill I can still like, uh, I can still type you know a sentence or so without looking at my fingers so that's useful yeah um, particularly when I'm doing the church magazine which I started doing this week again for the because it had obviously gone away during the uh, Yes, not, not, not a lot to do during the lockdown. No, but we um, actually put out our first magazine this week, so that was uh, that was fun to get back to that. Apparently, um, according to Wikipedia here, Broderbund was acquired by the learning company who were formerly Softkey, who was another um, software house that those of us who've been using the Mac for a long time would recall. There we go. Anyway, a little diversion into pointless silliness. Um uh Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak has declared his support for the right to repair apparently um in a 9 yeah, well, minute cameo co-founder of Apple said, talks about how important it is for people to fix their own stuff I think Ooh. I've said before though I, I I still think there's more Apple could do that they just choose not to um, yeah I mean it, it it's not beyond the wit of Apple even with the really thin things that they create to create plug-in SSDs or plug-in memory or I mean it, it shouldn't be hard um, but but Apple choose not to do it so 
Yeah, it obviously comes down to cost, really, doesn't it? With things, with the right to repair for Apple, the more that yeah, they can I'm keep not, doing I'm that. not sure. I mean, when people talk about repair, they they're not talking about uh, resoldering the motherboard, or um, they're talking about upgrading it, putting a bit of extra memory in it. They're put, talking about replacing the hard drive, and the, and if Apple wanted to do this, they could do it. Yeah. I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever they could, but they choose not to, and you know, and I. I, I buy Apple Kit, so I live with that dichotomy because I'd like them to make it so that I could upgrade the hard drive if I want to. And I'd like them to make them so that I could just slot in memory when I wanted to. But of course, but, now we've got the M1, that's gone, that's gone out of the way. Yeah, that's sort of gone yeah. away in some ways. Yes, that, that, that's absolutely true. Um, that that ability has been has gone away. And, and in some ways, looking back, you can see how they were heading in that direction all along. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's where they were going. Um, so, yes, up until the M1. And then, uh, you know, I understand why the M1 is designed the way it is. It's simply for out-and-out speed, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah. I, I kind of agree up to a point, and certainly until the M1 came along, I always thought that it was a little churlish to not allow you to have access, you know, because pretty much every Windows PC in the world has a little hatch you open and you can slide out the SSD, slide in another one. Yeah, you know, that's right. Uh, I, I, know, I know that would have meant that they wouldn't have beautiful stainless steel curves and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, but I think uh, a lot of us. I mean, I, I can remember having hard drives where you you could slot stuff in the side. You know, the expansion cards and things. And yeah, it wasn't that hard, really. And uh, no. Apple could have done it had they wanted. But as I say, their bridges are now burnt because the design of the new M1 means that uh, we're never going to go back to that. No, I mean, Apple will, I believe, tell you that they're, they're over many, many years, their um, information has pointed, you know, pointed to the fact that sort of 90% plus of Mac buyers buy a machine and then never do anything to it until they buy another machine. They don't put in any more RAM, they don't change the hard drive, they don't add anything. Yeah, that's anything probably true. You yeah. know, um, and that, you know, the, those of us who are in the sort of 5 or 10% who do occasionally do those things are in a minority and sorry, you just have to live with it. Um, I think, I think, um, I think most of the begrudging is done around, and it certainly is for me, is, is just having to pay so much more for what, what feels like a very small amount of stuff. So, yes. you know, a, a little upgrade to the memory and a little bit more hard disk space that just and feels very expensive. Very expensive. That, yes, the Apple tax. The Apple tax. They've always reminded me on that front of Sony and the PlayStation. Um, yeah. Many, many years ago, like with the PlayStation, starting with the PlayStation 1, if you wanted to save your games, you have to buy a memory card. Right, and the memory card is basically just a USB flash stick to what yeah. we take put. And you used to buy one, and I think it was like, and I'm talking however long ago it was that the PS One was a was a thing, probably twenty plus years. And um, I think it was an I, I can't remember four megabytes, megabytes or eight megabytes. Yeah, I can't remember what yeah. what they were, but they were tiny and. At the time, you would pay like £25 to buy one of these cards to save your games on. Mm. Um, and at the same time, you could buy you know, much bigger USB memories for half price. Even then, you know, they'd be you know, 8 megabytes or 16 megabytes uh, USB card. But um, Sony had this thing called the Magic Gate, which meant you could only use Sony memory cards. And they would charge you a bloody fortune. Um, and they continued yes. to do that for a long time. <laughs> 
certainly yeah. through the PS2 era, it was the same thing. You could only... Uh, there was a company called Magic Hats, I think, who had a license from Sony who produced third-party memory cards. And they... I remember I bought one from them, which had... It had effectively eight memory cards worth in it. And to make it work, it only... It sh- Although it was basically one chip, it showed up as if it was eight different memory cards. And you pressed a button on the top and it would flip to the next card so that you could store all your stuff on one on right. one memory card. I don't think, I don't think anyone likes this sort of proprietary nonsense, though, do we? I mean, no. I, when I bought my first 2007 24-inch iMac, my first foray into the uh, Mac world, there's no way I was going to pay for the memory. No. <laughs> I, I bought the minimum memory and I upgraded it straight away from a third party because there was no way I was paying Apple for it because they were asking, I don't know, something ridiculous like 600 quid at the time. Yeah, well, uh, I... And, 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 you know, I understand that Apple have to differentiate and the only way they differentiate these days between their... Well, no, it's not strictly true, but the main way they differentiate is memory and disk space. So, so they use it to drive profits, but that doesn't mean that most of us find that a little bit distasteful. <laughs> It's, yes, I think you know if you're if you're a struggling company, then you might say, well, okay, fair enough. We're paying that to support a company that we you know really like, and they're the underdog and all the rest. It becomes rather less palatable when you're getting gouged. Yes, and when they're the, when they're almost the richest company on the planet. Well, you know they're basically the biggest company on the planet. Then it starts to be a bit like really, you know, really. Yeah. Um, there you go. But they'll uh, carry on doing it. So yep. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't mean we can't have a good old moan, no. So there we well, go. Uh, that was your moan say, of the day. Yeah, well, with the M1, of course, you know, it's all changed. Everything's changed. So, um, yes, of course, yeah. Um, I'd still like them not to price gauge on it, though. I really well, would. wouldn't we all? Yes, you know, yes. please. Um, yeah, I was going to say, when I got... A I don't 20- mind paying a bit more. I don't mind paying a bit more, but, but just not silly. Money. Yeah, don't, please don't. <laughs> Effect, don't take the mic, you know. Um, what else? I've got a link from Forbes 12 tips and tricks for HomePod and HomePod Mini. Um, and this is actually quite a sensible article, you know, just to prove that Forbes is not all totally negative clickbait headlines. Uh, things nobody told you. Number 20 tips and uh, 20 tips and tricks to make your the most of your HomePod and Mini. Um, and uh, for example, hey Siri, what song is this? Or, um, Use the control sense. How does it know? Tell Siri what you like and what you don't. How does it know? I mean, <laughs> will it accept expletives and things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just turn off this beep. <laughs> <laughs> and my phone is trying to say, "What? how am I supposed to recognise this song? Oh, I've, set, I've set my phone off somehow. Um, oh, right. <laughs> And now it's try it's trying to listen to what I'm saying and saying I can't recognise any songs even from what you're what you're telling oh, it's me. Because, it's because you said, Hey Siri, what song is this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and now it's trying to listen to my conversation and saying I can't find any songs to match. Uh, and then we've just anyway. triggered everybody else says I was listening to this as well. Uh, probably <laughs> yes, not. Very thankfully. sorry. Very sorry about that folks. But uh, actually, you know <laughs> Well, I, I, have, I, have, I have to say, um, we all used to do that, didn't we? And, you know, hence the old S thingy and A thingy and all the rest. But actually, the newer versions pretty soon come to recognise your voice. And um, yeah, that's don't true. actually yeah, get noticed, triggered that uh, easily. I've noticed Alexa's um, actually quite good at uh, at ignoring me. And, and it's, I mean, when I bought the new um, fourth gen um, boxes, they're actually really fast as well. 
you yeah. hardly have to wait for them at all. You just speak and and they pick it up. So it's quite oh, impressive. Uh, talking about things being quicker, obviously I do have uh, you know the iOS 15 beta on my phone, and I have the Watch OS beta on my watch, which in- implements more of the um, on-device Siri processing. Oh right, and I, okay. I have distinctly noticed a, a you know a performance improvement on the. Oh, well, that's good. Oh, it, and, and I only use Siri to do very simple things. Yes. I must admit, you know, particularly when I'm cooking, it will be, you know, give me a 20-minute timer or whatever. Whereas before, it used to come up with, you know, working on it, okay, yes, fine. Now it will be, yes, okay, 20-minute timer counting down. Um, oh, distinct, right, okay. It's noticeably quicker, but, you know, not not instant, but it's a lot quicker than it used to be. So that's doing some, good. something. Um, I, I mean, are you using any of the betas at all, Steve? Uh, not this time at the moment. I'm usually quite on them, but uh, I haven't really installed any of them yet. So I've been seeing a lot of people talking about it online, but... Uh, I'm hoping to try and do it this week on my watch and my phone. Uh, be warned, your watch may take quite a long time to update. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> mine, mine took about... Um, well, if you heard last week when I or when I mentioned it, it my phone told me it was going to take 14 hours to update my watch. And actually only took about two, but, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's all those uh, it's all those Wi-Fi ants carrying the Wi-Fi backwards and forwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> put in, it takes time. They've got to br- they've got to bring all those cogs for Siri to jam into your watch to make it work. Anyway, that's right. Um, well, they do say if you if you start the download and then turn off Bluetooth, it does actually force it over Wi-Fi and it's quicker on the updates as well. So I have to try that and see if yeah. that works. Uh, oh, I, I, yes, that might help. I've never tried that, but I did mention last week, um, or when I was talking about it, that this thing about on older watches about you don't have enough space. I don't have much on my watch, but I found if I restart the watch and restart the phone and then initiate the download, I I don't get that annoying unable to complete right. because you don't have enough space. Which so I it's initiate. probably going to be it's probably going to be other, isn't it? It's going to be other spaces which you clear out when you restart it or something. Uh, quite likely. Quite likely, yeah. um, because but I have had it in the past where it says you know this download requires I don't know two point three gig or whatever and available space on your watch two point five or whatever it is and then it will say failed not enough space like well you just lied to me then, didn't you yeah um okay what have we got oh let's go on to this one um this is from Donny okay this is from Donny in the Slack room. So I took my son's old computer and added an account for my wife, and I was going to delete his account. For some reason, deleting old accounts never seems to work right. After several hours, I could not close the system preferences because it said it was deleting his account. I decided to wipe the computer and start afresh. I did that, and during setup, it asked for the previous account password I set up before I wiped the computer. I have never seen this before. Shouldn't that be gone since I have wiped it? I entered the password, and it worked fine but it's sort of strange um i think that this is possibly i'm not you know i'm no expert i think this is probably related to file vault because if Uh, you have turned on file vault by default well it doesn't have to be but i think by default the file vault password is the same as the user login yeah 
so that when you enter, you know, when it comes up, you log in. So you go, you know, my user account, enter your password, then that also unlocks the file folder. You can set it to a separate password if you want, um, but I don't think that's stored in the user account or in no. the keychain. That's stored in, I think it's stored in NVRAM or somewhere, because I think I've come across this before where I've wiped my machine and then rebooted it and it's come up with, um, you know, please, please enter the password to unlock the disk. Right. Now, Donnie says he doesn't remember turning on File Vault, but that doesn't mean he hasn't, or that yeah. his son hasn't, or somebody else hasn't. But anyway, uh, I just, that's my take on that. Um, you know, if Ballister or, uh, or Dougie or any of the others know better than me about that, please let us know. But that that's my guess. Yeah, I think the next version of Mac OS when it comes out is supposed to make it easier anyway, isn't it? So when you wipe the computer, that it gets rid of all those problems anyway. I believe the idea with that is it's going to work in the same way because the um, the system is now effectively sacrosanct. It will be like your like your phone rather than actually having to wipe it and reinstall everything. What you do is. Um, remove all data and settings and you just go immediately back and it just basically kills you know scraps the um encryption key and it, so everything that's uh everything is white gone uh yeah so in, you know you don't actually have to physically remove it it's simply blanked there and then and, good idea which is a good idea because it's you know it's a mm. lot easier to reset your your phone or your watch or your iPad that way than it is to do, you know, like you do have to do with a Mac of actually physically going into recovery and using the disk um, utility to wipe the drive and then start installing. Yeah, and when, and when you scratch. and when you when you pass the computer on, you do know that it's going to be. It will be if you reset it to yes, it, factory it, factory settings that you're definitely not giving away data to anyone else. I mean, you, no, it will nothing. make it that much more secure because it's yeah. it's all you know. You throw away the encryption key, everything on the disk is then just encrypted garbage, and the new yeah. OS just says this is all blank space. Happy, yeah, you know. that's right. Um, that's the right way to go. Makes life a lot easier. Uh, uh, iOS 14.7 Beta 5 uh, apparently fixes the annoying iPhone bug which can disable your Wi-Fi, which is the one we talked about with the, um, you know, percentage P, percentage S, percentage N, uh, percentage yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, that flaw has apparently been fixed, according to BGR, in the latest 14.7 beta. Other than that, oh, don't good. join don't join SSIDs with weird strings of characters. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, what else got? Um, I've got a link here from iMore to a YouTuber takes a broken iPhone 8, turns it into a working faux iPhone 12. Another one of those um, sort of because I can jobs. Um, quite an interesting yeah. read. Quite an interesting read. Um, and link to that um, another one sort of um, uh, hair of my son um, is a link to um, again. This is just one of those uh, because he could um, guy decided that he wanted to use original GameCube uh, controllers as Joy-Cons for his Switch. So he made some. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's about a 15-minute video. And if you're interested in that sort of thing, it's actually very interesting how he goes about it and uh, all the various things he had to do. As he says, I don't recommend this. It took me months. And, uh, yeah, I think, I, think we'd say, I think we'd say on a level of repairing things, it's an advanced Advanced soldering required. <laughs> advanced soldering, super advanced. If you want, if you want my honest opinion, but um, it's uh, I'll put the link into that. I believe it's just called uh, 
I think it's Game GameCube Joy-Cons. Yes, I made GameCube Joy-Cons. I think the one. Yes, you have seen the fake GameCube Joy-Con renders. I decided to make real one. This video was several months of assembly and months of editing. I hope you enjoy it. And I'll tell you how hard it was because there are places where it says, oh, I need to go and see another super top modder in order to help me do this. It's beyond my capacity. So uh, oh, that, was, that was definitely one for the uh, very advanced. But it's an interesting watch if you like that sort of thing. Um, how he tackles uh, facts like that the, um, the switches that he wants to use for uh, the, the, the GameCube controller are deeper than the uh, the ones that uh, are used in the um, in the Joy-Cons because obviously the Joy-Cons are thin. Um, it's like an iPad type of device and the, the GameCube is, the GameCube controller is like all other kind of Batwing controllers, a big fat thing. So it's got longer switches and so on. Anyway, there we go. <laughs> That's all, all sorts of things and uh, technical difficulties that he got into. Uh, right, what else shall we have? Uh, right, I'll tell you what, Nick, why don't you tell us the tale about your iPad, and then I'm going to uh, tell you a tale about some very, very, very old files that I found, and my uh, journey to see if I could rescue. But, oh, uh, it, that's interesting. It's, um, good. Well, uh, there isn't much to it, really. Uh, 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 the fact is, uh, a friend um, uh, at church, she's in her 70s. She may even be in her 80s. I might be doing her a disservice. I'm not sure um uh, uh recently got an ipad now she'd been using an android tablet before that um but let's face it she's one of these people who you know if it if it if it not just an on and off button she struggles with it and um she tried to get this um i tried to talk her through over the phone getting this ipad set up but she just got more and more confused and and with a lot of older people it's often passwords they struggle with they just don't remember that they type something in or they don't remember that what exactly which password they used. So she gave me a piece of paper that she'd written passwords down on, and she'd got about seven or eight different, slightly different versions of password written down on it, uh, but without anything next to them to say what they're for. Yeah. Um, and hence, she just got very confused. So I said, well, you know, let me have your iPad, and I'll have a go at setting it up. So with a modern iPad, it, I thought there would be a way of just holding down buttons and things to reset it, but apparently not. You have to plug it into a computer, which for her is impossible because she doesn't own one. Um, but anyway, I brought it home, plugged it in, and then you have to you have to turn the iPad off. You have to start um, uh, uh, Finder, and then you switch it back on while it's plugged in, and, and you hold down the home button. Gosh, that's really hard. You try holding down the home button while you're yeah. plugging it in. It's and the plug is quite near the home button, and it's actually quite hard to get in. So somehow you've got to wedge it. Yeah. It's actually quite hard to do. Anyway, I eventually managed to do it. Uh, and from then onwards, the difficulties then were that she wanted to use fairly simple things. And all the while, Apple is trying to get you to be secure and uh, it, it won't let you use uh, certain um, phrases that are in your email for doing other things. And it, it, I just felt for her, this was this was almost impossible to set up. I mean, yeah, she said can't. several times she was ready to throw it out at the window. You know, you can't, <laughs> for example, they won't let you use your date of birth. I mean... Yeah, and, and I und absolutely understand the security thing, but... Well, they but they won't even allow you to use, like, your date of birth as part of, no, you know, a part no, of a right. string. It will say, you know, that those six characters represent your date of birth. You can't have that. 
can always do things yeah. like reverse it or whatever. But even so, yeah, that's right. And I, you know, I think there's there's a balance between security and ease of use. And sadly, it appears that Apple have tipped over into the security thing without really realizing that some of the people who want to use their kit don't really understand how it all works. I, and that it, I would, I, I just feel that it makes it very complicated for people um, who are who who are challenged when it comes to using. They're not used to these pieces of equipment. I, it took us long enough to actually get everyone to use Zoom um, mm. on, on their kits. You know, it probably took a couple of months into the lockdown to actually get everyone who wanted to, to use Zoom because it, it was several steps and they found it hard. Um, so I, I suppose I'm, I'm having a little complaint at Apple that... Well, you know how... Um... Keychain will suggest secure passwords. Yes. Um, now, obviously, those are un <clears throat> unrememberable unless you're only got a photographic memory, or yeah. you know, the sort of person who me mem who memorises pi to nine thousand places or something. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. What's your you know what's your password? Well, it's the fifty seventh prime number divided by another prime number. Blah blah blah. Um. <laughs> I, there's one thing, and I understand why it doesn't do it, but for your, um, you know, for your personal iCloud and whatnot, that's disabled. It does not suggest a secure part, nor right. will the keychain fill in your um, iCloud details for you. Um, you have to know them. I really think yes. it'd be helpful if when you were setting up an iCloud account, there was a button which said, you know, suggest me a password, which might be made, you know, not as maybe as difficult as a full-blown... Um, yes, you know. and I mean, they could make it as simple as when you click on OK, it, it, it displays that um, password in large letters on your screen with a note which says, write this down. Yes, or take a screenshot or something. Or take a I screenshot. Mean, well, yeah, screenshot might be beyond a lot of people, but at yeah. least write it down. Um, or even, you know, I'm sure it would not be beyond them to say, we will send this password to your ether. Well, yeah, have... or some, something like that. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll be fair. I just felt, uh, fortunately, I've managed to get it set up, and um, I think she'll be reasonably happy with, with what I've chosen as a password for her, <laughs> um, because she wanted to use words that were familiar to her. And unfortunately, yes. they were also words she used in her password, in her yeah. um, email you know, address, rather. Email and account and whatnot, yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's the classic, you know, the cat's name and the street name and the... Yeah, you know, perhaps there should be a... Perhaps there should be a setup option for um, maybe not for dummies because that's a bit derogatory for uh, for non techies well, non, non techie setup. Help <laughs> help me do this, yeah. Yes, yeah. I, like. Like, you know, I'm a first timer. Help me through this. It wouldn't be yeah. beyond Apple to do that. I'm sure. Um, I, I'm sure it wasn't. I mean, they're usually very good at um, uh, at because uh, she was telling me that the person who'd sold her the iPad said, you know, this is really good for people who are having problems with their eyes because there's lots of accessibility yes. she's she's suffering from um she's got cataracts and she's had one operation but she's also got macular degeneration so you know she she's doing the right thing she's buying a piece of equipment that will make it easier for her in the long run it's just yeah, getting it initially set up is a bit of a problem <laughs> getting it initially set up i mean we mentioned a few weeks ago the guy who said look there's no it, it, security experts will tell you never do this but there's nothing actually wrong with a you know a little address book where you you know the one those old-fashioned tabbed pocket dresses <clears throat> where you put yeah you know google account name password and yeah. keep it in a and drawer. it's important i think it's important if anyone's listening who's a beginner and i think that's highly unlikely 
Um, but if anyone is, um, write down what the password is as well. Don't just write the password. <laughs> Actually put, this is my Google password. Or yes, this exactly, is which is why my father Apple uses ID an password. Address, yeah, which is yeah, why my would... father uses a tabbed address book. So under A, he's got Amazon and Apple and whatever yes. else. And That's a very good G, idea. he's got Google. And, and I think know. people have, of their age would probably find that much more sensible because they've probably used tabbed address books before and that would make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, as the, the guy who wrote that article said, you know, it's a matter of a wet landscape. Realistically, yeah. nobody's going to break into my dad's house. Them stealing his address book, which contains his Google password, is the least of the problem. <laughs> really, it is. Absolutely. You know. yeah. With, yeah. With the least of one password help the lady with a very simple password to log into one password. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, I think, it, again, one password's great once it's set up. But the initial setup can be quite painful. Uh, yeah. My brother and sister-in-law found it very difficult. Uh, and there, I, I mean, I wouldn't have said that my brother's hugely techy, but he's, he's, he's been, he's had computers for years. Um, <laughs> he's just not someone who takes an interest in learning the, the, the uh, minutiae of, uh, of, of computers. Well, with the likes of Apple Keychain, um, um, I'm trying to remember how you log into it again on the iPad. Um, yeah, it's yeah not, well, the trouble is, again, that's not immediately obvious. I mean, I have got another friend who used it, and she didn't know what those little pop-up things were mm. <laughs> uh, without realising that actually that's the password you put in. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Apple have said, and I, uh, Apple have said, and several other people said, the keychain is great, but it's hidden away. On the Mac, it's down in utility. Yeah. In, on iOS, it's in, it's not even called keychain. It's hidden in settings part. Passwords. Um, there should really be a keychain app mm. on the Mac. Well, there is one on the Mac, but even that's yes. compared to most other um, password managers, it's pretty archaic. It's not. It is when you get into it. It's not immediately obvious what, it's you, should not, have, it, what you should do. It, it's yeah. not very user friendly. Um, I have to say, I of of them all, I found LastPass the the best for beginners. It's really easy. To yes, I've uh, I've said so, said so the other lady who. Uh, was having problems with passwords. I, I suggested LastPass to her, and she has actually put passwords in there. So yeah. it's obviously working for her. And once you get it going, of course, it will. It will just when you enter something, it will say, "Would you like me to remember this for you?" Yes, um, automatically. So it, it does, and it's a lot easier to get set up than one password. Um, it's still yeah. not. Perfect, people need to you... people need to think really carefully, and this includes Apple, but all technology. You really need to put yourself in the position of someone who knows nothing. Exactly, and, and that's very and try and very... make it. It is hard. It is hard. I mean, I've tried writing documentation for, for colleagues at work, uh, and, and, and there's a, it's hard because there's a balance between writing every single thing down, which makes it so unwieldy they can't use it, and writing down enough so that they can actually work their way through it. Um, yeah. So there's definitely an art to it. There's an art to it, and it, there it's is. And everybody's cup of tea. Also, of course, as a, as a developer or um, a more experienced user, it can be very difficult to put yourself in the place of someone who knows nothing. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you skip you know, over things that you that you you learned years ago. <laughs> computer, you know, computer OSs to me are kind of yeah, they're different, and there are differences between them. You know, there's a difference between Ubuntu and Windows, and but they all follow fairly similar paradigms one way or another. And if you know them, you yes. just you, you you go well. That's right. You find you find a, your way around, don't you? There'll be a so, settings uh, app somewhere where I can change this. It might not be called set. It might be called preferences or something else. 
like you will find it. But if you're a complete beginner, you've got no idea. You don't understand. Yes, where's that. where's the cog for the settings up? <laughs> yeah, precisely. if it's not a cog, I'd, I don't know where it is. Precisely, yeah. you know, if it doesn't or if it doesn't have a big thing saying set it, go here, which is why you know, good um, a good welcome like they used to put in the Mac OS, and they don't do quite. I mean, they do have a sort of a quick tour, but they yeah. used to have a, like a welcome to Mac OS, and if you if you were an experienced user, you go like, I don't need to see this. But if you weren't, it would step you through a whole load of things, you know. Go I found that really useful when they used to when they did that. Yeah, I, I, the first time I ever used a Mac, I thought, oh, this is useful. Wow, talks you through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I found that very useful. That that and Don McAllister. Oh yes, screen screen uh, uh, and and his screencast online. Um, yeah, was very very useful when I was a new uh, new user. Very much so. Uh, so tell us about these uh, tell us about these thirty five year old files then. Right, okay, well, long, long ago in the mist time when I was young. Um, yeah, exactly, precisely, one of those. You need the shimmery effect. Um, uh, yeah, wibbly wobbly. Wibbly wobbly, back, going back in time when my moustache was not half white and um, I had hair that was, you know. Uh, there we go. Um, I used to do a lot of fancy role-playing, Dungeons and Dragons type stuff. And like most people uh, who get into that, sooner or later you start writing mods and writing rules and all sorts of things. So many, many years ago I started writing my own game. And um, it was pretty much complete. Um, and I'll tell you how long ago it was. Uh, I started doing it uh, and mo put most of it together in PageMaker 4.2. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was that was where it that was where most of it was put together originally. And um at various times I, I printed out, you know, copies for my friends and my players and whatnot. So there are around uh, a few people some ring binders which contain most of the rules. Um and I think eventually that might have ended up in Page Maker six point seven, maybe even uh, six point five, maybe even Page Maker seven. And uh I thought this was lost long, long ago. I thought this was all long long, long, long forgot. And um, I've still got hard copies and, and whatnot, um, but I didn't think I had any files. Anyway, the other day I was poking around, as you do, in some ancient um, drives with some folders full of old stuff and zip archives. And uh, I, I found uh, a zip and I opened it and in there were a lot of these files from this uh, long, I, I thought, long lost um, game system that I'd written. And I thought, if I could bring these back, this would be absolutely fabulous. So, um, obviously, I don't have PageMaker. I don't have a machine old enough to run PageMaker. I probably don't even have any way to install PageMaker. So I reached out to my mug and asked if anybody had, um, you know, thought they might be able to have a go at some of these files. So two or three people said, I've got an old machine or I've got a machine that's running PageMaker. Um, send them to me and I'll have a go. Um, and I got the right results. Some people said my version of PageMaker won't open them or uh, one person said they didn't, uh, they recovered one file but there wasn't anything in it, you know, that looked usable. Um, and eventually one person did say, oh, I've I got, I got one file to open and it seems like there's quite a lot of it. I don't have the fonts and the graphics are missing or most, some of the graphics are missing, but it's, um, it does seem to be, you know, at least readable. So I said, oh, please make me a PDF of that, because if nothing else, I can recover great chunks of text out. 
and uh, so they sent me a PDF of this, and that was uh, quite a seemed like a pretty good version, not the very latest completed or near complete version that I recall, but it was probably 85, 90% what I recall. So that was a PDF, and I thought, well, that's that's some that's a start. Um, and some people tried with older versions of InDesign as well, because earlier versions of InDesign, up to about version five, I think, could open PageMaker five or some PageMaker five. Mm-hmm. So a few people tried that and didn't actually manage to get anything of any use. So I thought, okay, well, I've got this PDF, that's something. And then I said, well, thanks for all your help, everybody, and that's great. And I've got at least a PDF, which is I can recover text if I need to, um, and I'll have another dig. And go. So I went away, and uh, over the next week, I poked around in more archives and more uh, of these drives that I'd located, and I found a folder which contained about four or five files which said they were in design documents. Now, I don't remember ever actually opening it in design, but I, it's possible, I'm guessing, that at some point I found the PageMaker documents, opened them in InDesign, and simply saved them and thought, well, I'll go back to those later and maybe I'll do something with them later and then just archive. So I found these InDesign documents. And again, I, I don't have uh, access to Adobe anymore. Um, I guess I could have downloaded a trial, um, but that you know takes an age to download and an age to install and all the rest. So I couldn't really be bagged. So I reached out again to the bug and said, I have found some InDesign docs and I don't know what's in them. Um, can anybody open them and uh, turn them in? to IDML file because um, I can't remember when they added it about version 1.7 Affinity added the ability for publisher to read uh, IDML files which is in design markup bank oh right okay which is a a sort of a tag um, semi transportable uh, file now it doesn't guarantee to be perfect or anything else it's not like a PDF but it is semi portable and um Affinity added the, the feature to uh, to Publisher. So, um, with fingers crossed, I sent off some zipped up files and some uh, other things, and two or three people had a go. Um, some people didn't have any luck, couldn't get them to open, because it probably depends on what version and all the rest. Um, yeah. But one person said, I have managed to open these four or four of the files. One says it's damaged or isn't correct or something. Um Three of them contain about two pages apiece, which means they were probably little um, while I was writing pieces. And one yeah. appeared to be a, a fairly near final draft with a whole, about 50-odd pages of stuff, all, all formatted. And um, and again, they said, well, I haven't got the fonts and whatnot, but I'm going to, I've made an IDML and I'll send it to you. So I, I got this uh, IDML file and with great trepidation, I opened it in Publisher. and. Um, it, it was not perfect by any, uh, you know, any stretch of the imagination, but I opened the fonts, that, that improved it. Um, and some pages, the text um, was like only two or three letters per line in the text box, like somebody put the right-hand margin right the way across the right, yeah. text box, you know, so it could only get about three letters. Um, now, because I used drop caps on some of this stuff that might have something to do with it and I, I tried messing about with it and at first I thought oh no luck and then I thought I know what I'm going to do I'm going to do select all in that story uh, cut it delete all the text boxes for that story and then draw a new text box paste the text in and then flow it on through the rest of the page and mm-hmm. lo and behold um, 
it's not perfect, but it's 90% perfect. So I now have um, an, indie, uh, an Affinity publisher file salvaged from an InDesign document, which was salvaged from some version of PageMaker. God knows when. Um, and so now I have a file which is pretty complete as to the last file I can find and pretty close to the last hard copy I have printed out. Uh, there's some stuff missing which I know I, I'm pretty sure I've done, a few pages with like creature diagrams and things on. But I now have um, an Affinity Publisher document which I can go through and modify and recreate my work from 35 years ago. And not recreate from scratch, I mean just go through and finish off. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's brilliant. Power of Bloody. collaboration, eh? It was, yes. Uh, you know, yeah. and that was a huge props to the to the mug for that because you know people pitched in to have a go um, and made suggestions as to what might or might not be possible and, and whatnot. But in the end, I got a file into Publisher, which is that's cool, pretty damn good. Um, and I thought, wow, I have pulled something which once upon a time started off in Adobe, uh, well, oldest PageMaker for. 4.2 and has now yeah. been resurrected in Affinity Publisher 2021 and not horribly messed up either you know most of the stories then run over by few lines you know or um, break oddly because the character spacing is slightly different but nothing that can't be tidied up and salvaged right. we're not talking about a massive redo here we're talking about you've got nearly all the text and i i relinked almost all of the uh graphics because obviously i found the folder with all the graphics which was also right you know, um some of them cool. some of some of them were in very very old formats um so old in fact that uh nothing even though they're eps's nothing else would open them because oh, wow. Apparently, very early uh, versions of Illustrator used a sort of slightly proprietary version of uh, EPS, which had some uh, bits and pieces, which things at the time understood, but had long since been deprecated. Um, right. And again, uh, with some more shenanigans, I pulled uh, quite a lot of them, actually. Guess what uh, app was most successful at opening most of them? Preview. It would no, open, good old preview. It would open these ancient... There was a few that it wouldn't, and I had to ask somebody who had a copy of Illustrator to actually open the three or four, which I could not get open in preview, to open them and save as PDF. But other than that, I if they wouldn't show up in Affinity, I uh, opened them in preview and exported them as PDFs, and now pretty much all of the graphics have been restored. And uh, so there you go. A tale of Very something good. long lost. Resurrect. And uh, I am so grateful because there's a great sentimental yeah. value, uh, if nothing That's else. very satisfying to, to have recovered them from that long ago. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I think I've told you before, I've got quite a lot of PPP files from um, PageMaker, not PageMaker, uh, what does it used to be called? Page Plus? Uh, Serif? Page Plus, yeah. Serif Page, page Plus. Plus. Which I'd like to be able to... Uh, what I think I'll probably end up doing is installing an old version of Page Plus on one of my PCs and uh, doing it that way. But Because uh, it won't... Uh, it won't. The modern versions won't read page, the uh, Page Plus stuff, sadly. Oh, uh, what you mean? The, the Affinity ones won't? The Affinity stuff won't, no. No, because no. the Affinity was built from the ground up completely differently. Um, yes. So, uh, so well, that's what I'll probably end up doing at some point. I'll... Uh, I'll I download to... an old version from somewhere. 
Um, I don't know if you can still get it free. Um, let me have just have a look. Uh, I might still have the. I still. I might still have a disc sitting around somewhere with it on a CD, possibly. Let me just have a quick look. I believe that I have an installer disc as an ISO dashed away. Oh, right, okay. Uh, let me. Have well, a quick... le- leave it with me because it's it's possible that I have still got one somewhere. I did throw quite a lot of them away. I must admit. I don't have. The, I... Yeah, I don't have the physical disc. Back in anymore. back in those days, they used to uh, upgrade them every six months and and sell you another yeah. bunch of stuff. <laughs> and I used to buy quite a lot of them. So, um, so yeah, I, I may still have some discs sitting around. So uh, to recover my old uh, my old stuff, it was only the early the early church magazine stuff that I've, I've, I'm missing. Um, but that's it. Yeah, um, that's for another day. When I've when I've got well, I say when I've got lots of time, I have got lots of time. But uh, <laughs> when, when the mood takes me, shall I say? Uh, have a quick uh, while we're on here. Search page. Uh, I'll have to have a look, but um, I may have one salted away somewhere. Right here. Don't, you don't spend one. too much time on it, Simon. It's no, not no. that important. But, no, um, but it's, like, it's a bit... It would it's be nice like, to be able to, you know, nice to, be able to like recover mine. them. Um, I don't know. Can you still get any of the... Oh, legacy product, legacy downloads. You can... Oh, yes, okay. Downloads for legacy plus products are available below. You will require a product license key. Um, and for information on retrieving legacy product cl- keys, click here. But we have page plus X9, X8, or draw plus X8. Oh, okay. I can't remember which was the last one I was using, but I'm sure they'll open the early versions anyway. So. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll put the link in here for you. Um, oh, okay. Thank you. Serif uh, Legacy Downloads. Jolly good. Got it. And by the way, the, the things don't look like links, but they are on that page. So we've got page plus right. X, X9, photo plus X8, and draw plus X8. So the last versions. <coughs> right. Okay. Uh, to, good. to download even older versions, see this support forum post. So, yeah, there's even ways to okay. download even older ones. I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll be fine. Go. Um, page plus X9, X8, and X7. Draw plus X8 and X6. Photo plus X8, X7, and X6, and a whole load. So there you go. You should be able to get oh, right. the version so, to put and, on and your PC. And they'll send you send you a key if you just send them your email address. Well, it oh, says here, uh, information on retrieving a product key. I, I've probably got a product key if you can't find yours. I may or may I'm not. Ne- I'm not sure. I'm, I'm never I mean, going to use if, it if, again. If they can, uh, if they can recover it for me, then that's fine. Yeah. Well, it says click, click here to. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, got, I've need... just got in there, and it just asked for your email address. So. Yeah. As long as you remember the uh, your Serif account address. Well, it probably was the same as the one I'm on now. You know. Almost honestly. certainly. Well, there you time. go. There we go. Well, we've wandered off piste a bit here, but. Um, uh, we have. Mind. But uh, no, that's. Why not? I, I think that's interesting because um, I'm sure there are a number of people out there with old files that they think, I wonder what this was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and here we go. Literally, this is just in um, IT Pro. Um, print Nightmare Emergency Patch has failed to fix critical exploits. Oh, according, no. According to ITE, literally came in about, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 minutes ago while we were talking. Oh, dear. What a so, mess. Dear, oh dear. Um, there we are. Right. Well, I think we've probably done enough now. We've probably rambled on for ages. Um, have we got anything yeah. else? Uh, Time for tea. Yeah. Uh, Donnie has rec- 
uh, is it Donny recommended? Scan things. Scan anything on the app store. Uh, I think Jim recommended this previously. Yeah, it's quite app. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we, we did mention it when before, and I think it was you who brought it up. Um, no, you, you point it on something, an object, and it'll cut it out. Yeah. The, back, the background disappears. Did you just get the object? It's very good. Oh, right. Okay. Cool. Yep. Um, what else have we got? Um, Mark has a M1 Air teaser review, which is on YouTube, which is just a, basically him unpacking it. And you're correct, uh, Jim, it was gold. Um, <laughs> and I checked. Uh, it, it, they're available in silver, base grey, and gold. I don't know if originally they were not available in gold, or maybe I just never noticed because I wouldn't buy a gold one for love nor money, probably. But I probably <laughs> would if it was the only option. You know, if somebody sure. said to me, you, you can have a gold one or none at all, I'd probably take a gold one. But So we're going to see Mark uh, with his gold uh, medallion and his gold watch and <laughs> matching, gonna, matching accessories. <laughs> he's actually just going to hang his MacBook M1 on a, you know, on a big ch- chunky chain and wear that as a medallion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but there's no, there's no a hole for the, uh, for the, the ring to attach it to. Well, there you go. That's another, <laughs> you buy another hundred pound uh, leather accessory to, you know, attach it. Yep. Just like this. Yep, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that'll be, that'll be a thousand, then, if you want an Hermes one. Here's a bit Okay. Um, last couple, then. How to install Windows 11 on unsupported devices. I've got a link here to uh, a site called YTechB. Never heard of that personally, but there's some um, instructions on how to install Windows 11 on unsupported devices. Uh, some of it looks pretty technical and involves buggering about with registry keys and so on. But uh, if you're the sort of person who's desperate to do that, I'm sure you understand how to do those sort of things. And um, I think the other one I put in there is the game is the GameCube thing. Yes, I made a G- GameCube Joy-Con. There we go. So uh, there we are. That'll do for a show. Um, Steve didn't get hardly a word in Edgeways. Jim's been busy dismantling <laughs> his living room, and me and Nick have uh, filled up most of the time. But never mind. Uh, Jim, where can people find you? Currently wrapping a parcel up. <laughs> uh, on Flickr as the SRPS Paint Shop um, on Vimeo. Linked in the show notes. Where else? Uh, in, in the Slack. Slack. In the Slack. Yeah. Of course. And I like, like all of Heading up to, up to the local store for Hermes return. <laughs> not that Hermes, though. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, he's not sending back a thousand pound, you know, key tag. Means Hermes, the, Hermes, <laughs> the delivery, the, shipper. Yeah, yeah. the shipping company. I I pointed out to somebody the other day that um, Yodel. They said, "Why is a courier company called Yodel?" I said, "Because it's short for your delivery." And they're like, "I never realised that." Uh, like, no, I didn't know that either. Well, I don't know if it is. I've I've always assumed it is. It's Yodel. You're delivery. probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, there we are. Uh, Steve. He's not oh, there. He's not here. He's gone, um, I'm afraid. He may have, he yes, may he, have had to bail out. He did say he that, did. He, you know. He had he children. Did, uh, he, yeah, he, yeah. He, he, apparently his, his wife's in bed unwell, so he's oh, going to look right. after the kids. Well, yeah. he did say he would be here until it was time to deal with the kids. So while we were yakking, he's probably quietly uh, abandoned us. So knuck anyway, knuck away. Uh, you can find Steve on Twitter as at Geek Corner underscore UK. Um, let me get it right. And of course, you can find him at geekscorner.info. And his uh, Geeks Corner podcast can be found in all good podcatchers. There we go. Um, 
Nick? Yep, you can find me occasionally on uh, Twitter, but not, not very often. Uh, I'm Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. You can hear me occasionally over on Bart Show, and I'm also in the Slack room. And now I've switched on notifications. I'm actually responding more. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't know everyone was talking before. And now I found out they are. There we go. Um, I can be found on Twitter, of course, as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Uh, the show is at Essential Apple. Uh, all our stuff is at EssentialApple.com, of course. Um, thank you to everybody who supports us in all the usual ways. Uh, and I won't bother to bore you all with much more. So I think for now, we'll just say goodbye until next time. So long. Goodbye until next time. And by the way, Jim, how that, I know your little um, thing's a tiny little box. With all that sellotape, is it now like a foot bigger in all directions? <laughs> Not yet, no. I'm, I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> until next time, goodbye all. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh... Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Looking for a show that talks about Apple and Apple products? Then Geekiest Show Ever is for you. What about Amazon? Google. Geekiest Show Ever is for you. Mesh networks, distance learning, all kinds of technology, interviews. Yes, Geekiest Show Ever covers that too. I'm Elisa Paselli. And I'm Melissa Davis. Listen to the Geekiest Show Ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network in your favorite podcast player. Feedback, show ideas, and reviews, always welcome. again another time. Until then, goodbye.